Another year of social grants, but can we afford to extend them? Can we afford not to? How long will revenue windfalls from mining continue? Can South Africa avoid a debt trap? And perhaps most importantly of all, will you be paying more tax next year? This is no ordinary Wednesday. It's an in-depth look at the events and trends, moving markets, shaping the economy and changing the game. I'm Jeremy Maggs and a very warm welcome. Today is our special budget edition, a primer from experts on everything you need to watch out for in Finance Minister Enoch Godongwana's first budget speech. The minister enters the spotlight walking a tightrope of high debt, social instability, record unemployment levels and pressure to deliver on promises of new infrastructure programs and desperately need economic reform. Investec Chief Economist Annabel Bishop will tell us more, including what the extension of the social relief grant means for the country's public finances. Then Treasury Economist Tersha Jacobs zooms in on the national debt. Is it sustainable? And what's it doing to the risk premium investors demand in return for putting their money to work in South Africa? But what about the humble taxpayer? Rene Van Zeyl from Investec Wealth and Investment Tax and Fiduciary team will tell us what to look out for on the personal and corporate front. And finally, investment strategist at Investec Corporate and Institutional Banking, Ian Gosh, chimes in on just how big the windfall has been for the commodity boom and how long we expect it to last. All right, let's start the conversation with Investec Chief Economist Annabelle Bishop. Annabelle, a very warm welcome to you. First of all, what's on your watch list as the minister prepares his budget speech? Yes, hi, Jeremy. Thanks very much. I think this budget may prove to be what financial markets and credit rating agencies have enjoyed in the past, and that is a fairly boring budget. And that is because we don't expect to see any major deviations from the medium-term budget policy statement last year. And you recall, Jeremy, that was the mini-budget. We get the update halfway through the year on the finances in about October, November, last year obviously being a bit delayed because of the uh, municipal elections. And we are expecting to see them stick quite close to the projections. We've already had the large revisions to the debt and deficits following the GDP revisions from StatsSA. And instead, markets are going to be focusing to see if government maintains its fiscal consolidation projections. And in fact, perhaps even if it lowers them a bit. And if that's the case, then that could be quite a positive budget, although we expect it generally overall to be credit neutral. Let me reflect on the State of the Nation address that we've just heard. We heard President Ramaphosa announcing an extension for another year of the social grant relief. I guess the big question is how affordable is this, given that our expenditure is still high? And let's, of course, not forget the public sector wage bill. Yes. So look, I think, you know, what we have been seeing is unexpected revenue overruns over the past fiscal year. And of course, as you know, that extends from about April last year into March this year. And in fact, even now that we are going into the months of second quarter, we would expect to see a little bit of support still coming through from commodity prices. But I think it's quite clear. The minister has warned that we cannot depend on these unexpected revenue overruns to persist forever. And of course, that then would make additional revenue unaffordable. And I think that's probably why they've been cautious and and while we have seen the social distress relief grant extended for only about another year, the key point is that it is quite badly needed in South Africa. We believe that some form of basic income grant is very much needed in South Africa because it helps people to be able to afford to go and look for work, as obviously well as buying basic necessities. And we do think that ultimately it probably will be included. Some good news, Jeremy, is that we tend to have stronger economic growth forecasts than National Treasury, and that is out to 2026. We obviously 
expect to see GDP growth lifting towards 3% and National Treasury in their forecasts and a few other key forecasts, such as the IMF, the World Bank, they've often got their forecasts below 2% in that period. That allows us to be a bit more optimistic on the debt and fiscal deficit projections, but we don't lower them materially different to what government has projected because we are building in some form of the basic income grant. We think ultimately it is something that will come in. It's necessary. On the other hand, we're not expecting them to blow it out and bring in a huge amount, but just rather either permanent extension of the social distress relief grant, but possibly you know being renamed to the work seekers grant. It doesn't have to be the basic income grant and perhaps you know even lifted slightly. But I think you know given South Africa's exceptionally high levels of poverty, unemployment and inequality, we cannot continue to see this persist with government's poor implementation policies on reform unless we do provide some increased social welfare support. As you say, some positive news on the growth trajectory then. What's the key issue that the minister needs to address to accelerate economic recovery even further? So I suppose the answer to your question, unfortunately, Jeremy, is that he can't do very much other than, you know, allocate the monies and try and ensure that they are spent and not wasted or unspent. And obviously, if they are, bring them back. Because unfortunately, accelerating economic growth doesn't lie in his end, but it rather lies in government, whether it comes down from the presidency itself and into the different departments, or obviously comes up from the grassroots in the department themselves, implementing the plans, the reform plans that are required. You can see there's been incredibly slow progress over the past 10 years or so, the State of the Nation address, which we saw recently, and which is often regarded as a lead up into the budget, really highlights this and says that South Africa has deep structural problems, that the unemployment rate obviously is very high, as we know, and only the private sector can work it down. So with over 80% of employment in South Africa created by the private sector, government has said in the State of the Nation address, um, as we ourselves know, government's key responsibility is to create an enabling environment to allow businesses to thrive and flourish. And within that ambit, they're looking to severely cut red tape and regulatory pressures, indeed taking that into the presidency under their own wing, for example, to actually try and really push through this change in the onerous regulatory environment in South Africa. But obviously, there's a lot more to it, and that includes improving the state-owned entities' performances in terms of better electricity supply, more consistent capacity. The same goes for water and, of course, transport through ports and rails. And that, again, was in key focus in the SONA. But as you can appreciate, also, is responsibility of a wide range of government departments, ministries, and of course, heads of those ministries. So the finance minister himself, primary job is to keep track of the finances and of course, to highlight where government is severely overspending and not spending enough. And of course, that they do by highlighting that current expenditure is very high. That of course, includes civil servants, salaries and wages, as you said, but it will also include the social welfare grant that proportionately our fiscal expenditure on growth creating and sustaining measures such as investment investing in infrastructure is very modest. And then, of course, as well, the big problem is that our interest bill is growing enormously. So we are paying uh, very high interest rates on our debt because of the high levels of supply that dovetails with our low credit ratings. But also, of course, as well, the fact that this crowds out areas where we can see other expenditure occur. So he doesn't even get the ability to determine exactly what is spent on what. There's a very large process involved. But certainly what the ministry can do, the finance ministry, is highlight where South Africa is going wrong on its 
expenditure if it wishes to achieve certain objectives, if it wishes to avoid certain things like credit rating downgrades, and what can be done to improve the breakdown of expenditure and revenue collections in order to support economic growth. And of course, on the revenue side, the minister himself has indicated that the South African economy is too weak to see substantial further tax increases, and we don't expect to see them in this budget. However, down the line, as the economy improves and perhaps improves substantially stronger, faster than the finance department currently projects, there could be room for some increases there. But again, South Africa needs to ensure that higher taxes are spent on growth-enhancing initiatives in the main in order to further promote a stronger economic environment for South Africa. And we are going to leave it there. Annabel Bishop, thank you for joining me on No Ordinary Wednesday. South Africa's debt levels are high. Last month, the country took on debt of some 11.4 billion rand from the World Bank. For 2021-2022's fiscal year, gross loan debt is expected at 69.8% of GDP. Now let me welcome Treasury economist Tersha Jacobs to help us understand South Africa's big debt. Tersha, I want to start with this. What are the gross loan debt forecasts and how credible are they as we approach the budget? Hello, Jeremy. So there has been some constructive developments over the past year. As you mentioned, the very high gross debt level is of major concern to South Africa because the higher the debt level, the more we spend on servicing debt costs and also, you know, the more concern there is about our sovereign credit risk. And that's one of the reasons why Moody's and SMP downgraded South Africa over the past few years. So the debt GDP forecast for the current fiscal year is sub 70%. And there were two reasons why it was revised down quite significantly over the past year by about 10%. The first reason was the historical revision of nominal GDP that increased the size of the economy by about 11% last year. And secondly, was the revenue windfall from the mining companies that bolstered government's tax receipts by more than $120 billion. So these factors combined to lower the main budget deficit and hence the gross debt to GDP ratio. Your second question as to how credible these forecasts are, we use crystal balls with some calculated guesses in looking into the future. And, you know, the COVID pandemic was highly unexpected, which in turn led to massive increases by government in terms of, you know, the social relief of distress grant. And also companies paid lower tax. That's now with the exception of the mining companies. So there are normally a high level of uncertainty. But if we assume now that South Africa, growth rate will return to pre-COVID levels, unfortunately. This is where the state of the nation address becomes so important if the government can actually move in opening up more opportunities for the private sector, which is critical if we need to lift growth. You know, then we're still looking at a rise in the gross debt-to-GDP trajectory of about six, seven percentage points going forward. There's a third point that's, that's come in here now that creates a bit of uncertainty over the medium term, and that is the permanency of the social relief of distress grant. Every year, I guess, we can start penciling in about a 40, 45 billion rand. And this time round, you know, it has been financed with the revenue overrun. But going forward, this windfall from the mining sector is unlikely to be repeated. So that means there could be tax increases going forward. So, Tersh, I think I'm correct in saying that much of the budget is allocated to the ballooning expenditure that we've been talking about. My question now is how much is or how much should be allocated to debt reduction? 
Jeremy, so roughly 60% of our expenditure is allocated to the so-called social wage. So that is your social grants, it's your public sector wage increases, and in your education as well. So it's very significant. So what has happened over the past year, government increased its bond supply. So that is the amount of bonds they raise in the capital market to finance the budget shortfall. Now, as the, the revenue came out higher than expected, government cut the bond supply. So that is basically then how they control the increase in bond supply. The lower the budget deficit, depending on what happens to your spending and your revenue receipts, the lower the amount of supply is that they have to issue in the market to raise finance to, to finance the expenditure. What about the interest rate burden then? How do we factor that in? When we look back at the 2000s, we spend about 2.5% of our debt servicing costs as a percentage of GDP. And that has now ballooned to about 4.5%, mainly on account of the significant widening in the budget deficit. For example, prior to COVID, our budget deficit was running at around 4% of GDP. And then during COVID, it has increased to more than 9%. So that meant that we had to issue more bonds. And because of that, the debt servicing cost burden has increased. And then the second factor that comes in here is because there's so much concern about the ability of government to get growth back on track. And again, that is where the SONA announcements are so important. Important. You know, will that sovereign risk premium decline? So will foreigners be willing to be compensated by less to hold SA government debt? So two issues then here is number one is we need to accelerate growth to bolster revenues. We also need a restructuring on the expenditure side, especially containing the public sector wage bill going forward. And then, of course, to accelerate growth. And that's where we are going to leave it with Investec Treasury economist Tersha Jacobs. Thank you very much for joining me on No Ordinary Wednesday. In just a moment, we'll talk to René van Sale from Investec Wealth and Investments Tax and Fiduciary Team about what you should expect from the Minister on Tax. But first, a reminder that a new episode of No Ordinary Wednesday drops every fortnight. Don't miss it. Subscribe to Investec Focus Radio SA wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the channel, please rate us. René Fonsell, a very warm welcome to No Ordinary Wednesday. Let me give you some background first. All South Africans are under pressure at the moment as we emerge from the economic slump wrought by the pandemic. We're looking at the prospect of higher fuel prices, rising inflation and increasing interest rates. So can the minister feasibly hope to squeeze any more from the taxpayers? Maybe let's start with personal tax and VAT. I think the reality is that $5 billion needs to be collected from somewhere, right? However, I don't think this will be from individuals this year. Furthermore, nothing was mentioned in SONA that makes us think that there will be major tax rate changes. And added to this, of course, the ANC's elective conference is taking place later this year. So with that said, there's likely to be full inflationary adjustments, but we don't foresee any increase from a personal income tax perspective or a VAT perspective. So let's move on to corporate tax then. Can we expect anything on that front? Yes, I think we are likely to see a further small reduction in corporate tax rates, maybe possibly with 1% or 2%, and a few more corporate tax-related matters. I think, as usual, they're likely to tighten up on anti-avoidance-related provisions, but I don't think we'll see any more than that. 
And let me ask you then in conclusion about exchange control. Again, a lot of talk about this. Any suggestion from your side? Do we foresee any significant announcements? So I think it's on the exchange control front where there's some action to be seen. As you all know, last year, significant relaxations were introduced with the commitment to continue to do so further. Many of these relaxations came with reporting obligations to both the Reserve Bank and to SARS. So it would be very interesting to see if any of these newly acquired information results in further actions. We actually suspect it will. So we hope to see further exchange control relaxations to ease cross-border transaction and hopefully to encourage more foreign investments into South Africa. And I'm going to leave it there. Rene van Sel from Investec Wealth and Investments Tax and Fiduciary Team. Thank you for joining me on No Ordinary Wednesday. And finally, on No Ordinary Wednesday, a warm welcome to Ian Gosh, investment strategist at Investec Corporate and Institutional Banking. Ian, tax revenue coming in high for 2021-22, thanks to mining companies and the commodities boom. What's the forecast then for the next fiscal? So the way I would look at it, it's a very interesting question. When you look into commodity prices over the last, say, 18 months, they've largely been flat. So 2021, first half, you had quite high commodity prices. Second half was very weak. But broadly, the annual sort of 2021 commodity prices were similar to the previous year. I think the outlook over the next 18 to 24 months is somewhat commodity prices stay at elevated levels. However, I think what is of concern is... I think costs are growing somewhat in high single digits. So very likely earnings decline, I think roughly between 5 to 10% over the next 12 to 18 to 24 months. So when we run our forecasts, it does look like it is possible to see a rollover in mining taxes possibly in the range of 10 to 15 billion rands. However, that may well be offset by the financial services sector. Now, what's very interesting is if you take a step back and see the contribution of financial services to SS corporate tax profits, it was in the range of 30 to 35%, and they are yet to recover to pre-pandemic levels. So I suspect that you may see corporate tax revenues stay elevated for a longer period of time, and it may surprise investors on the upside. Broadly, what macro factors are you most concerned about then as we talk about this? That's a very interesting question because I think consensus forecasts SA GDP growth around 2% over the next two years. Whereas I suspect SA GDP growth above trend this year around 1.8%, but declining to close to 1.4% in 2023. To put things in perspective, SA GDP only grew 0.8% between 2015 to 2019. And the other point to highlight is because investors forecast SA GDP around 2%, I think often investors think the fiscal consolidation trajectory can continue as the government is forecasting. Now, what concerns me is that if you look into the three lead indicators for South Africa's GDP growth, you've got fixed investment, which in real terms in 2019, 2020 and 2021 was lower than what it was in 2010. It's lagging the South African real GDP growth recovery as well. You've got employment that's below 2016 levels. Yes, the employment recovery can 
happen with the lag. But historically, there's been a very strong correlation between mining sector employment and commodity prices, whereas it's completely broken down in the last five years. You've got manufacturing and construction jobs, employment that continues to decline. So that's worrying. And some of the analysis that we've done show the private sector real wages may have been negative even over the last 18 months. That's very different because you've got a smaller sort of section of the people who still have jobs. So the middle to high income end getting above inflation wage increases, but the aggregate real wage number may be negative. So if you were to tie up all of that, it looks like I think the GDP growth downgrades are more likely to continue over the next six to 12 months, which is why I think 2023, the growth number in the absence of structural reform may be below one and a half percent. And then when you look into the fiscal consolidation outlook, what worries me is that from an expenditure perspective, the government is considering structural spending increases of 50 to 100 billion rand, which is 1% of GDP. And you've got GDP slowing down. And this whole fiscal consolidation trajectory is based on constraining wage growth. Public sector employment headcount today is above pre-COVID levels, and it remains to be seen whether, you know, they can stick to their below inflation wage growth forecast that they are talking about. So broadly, what we are saying is in the upcoming budget in the next two weeks, what you may see is revenue surprising on the upside, the fiscal deficit number possibly also surprising on the upside, close to maybe five and a half percent, but it deteriorates closer to six percent by 2023. And this is my broader concern. We know that the president mentioned a number of ambitious initiatives in the State of the Nation address. Obviously, that would need to find funding support in the budget. Where are the opportunities then for corporates and institutions? The first reform, or or what's very primary, is to address the electricity reform. The private sector has often highlighted that electricity is the biggest constraint to growth. From what we understand, the wheeling framework is key. And unfortunately, I think the government still needs to address some of this. The other thing, the other point to highlight is, I think it is getting some traction. There's no doubt about it. But as I mentioned earlier, where we differ is, if you look at some of these bid windows, electricity, they were they were there in the last five years as well. Growth in the last five years was 0.8, we saying 1.4. If you run the numbers, what it looks like is I think among countries that are growing faster than emerging markets, they have an investment to GDP share of close to 25%. That amount is close. So so we need around 750 billion rand in annual spend per annum over the last five years to get excited that growth will pick up. I'm not sure if we've got plans or shovel-ready plans that will take us to investment spend Mm. to that magnitude. And, And that is really a broader concern for me. I want to end with this, if I can, the implications then from the budget as far as the equity market is concerned, and specifically, in your opinion, what sectors are likely to benefit? I think this budget may be in more investor-friendly because it's very likely that any form of tax increases are very, very unlikely. The government should ideally be able to fund any spending increases from the revenue overruns. So that's a very, very investor-friendly budget. It should be good for the consumer. So that's the first part. The second part, there are a couple of pockets where investors will look out for more color. So I think the spectrum auction, that is very key. That should earn around 12 billion revenues for the government 
Tien and Vodacom benefits from there. The other very interesting dynamic is the government has previously proposed a lowering of the corporate tax from 28% to 27%, effective from April this year. I suspect that may be postponed. The other thing to consider is also the carbon tax phase two that's expected to roll in from 2023 January to 2030. Once again, there is scope for postponement. And finally, there's lots of focus on the NHI as well, because as currently envisaged, the government may struggle to implement that. So I think the government needs to step up on the policy front, which will impact some of these sectors and stocks. And investors will have all their eyes on what the government has to say on that in the budget. And I'm going to thank you for those insights. Sir Iron Gosh, thank you very much for joining me on No Ordinary Wednesday. Please join us again on the 2nd of March as we continue to explore money trends shaping your world. If you haven't yet added us to your podcast feed, search for Investec Focus Radio SA wherever you get your podcasts and hit that subscribe button. Until next time, goodbye from me, Jeremy Maggs and the Focus Radio team. The views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of the firm and should not be taken as advice or recommendations. Investec Limited and subsidiaries, authorized financial service providers, registered credit providers, and long-term insurer.